Well, I think, believe this is our maybe our fourth lesson talking about the church that Jesus built, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, some of the things that we originally set out to to study and to explore uh, was, you know, what is the church? Uh, when was it formed? purpose or does it have an importance what material is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ made of is it a local churches or just one big universal church does baptism have a role to play in the Lord's church uh, we want to look at some point the authority of the church what authority does it have or not have and we want to talk about the priesthood. Uh, we know they have the Old Testament priesthood. Does that uh, tell us anything about the Lord's uh, church? We talk about the comforter, and we talk about the comforter a lot. We'll talk about it a little more today. And we want to talk about calling into the church, the method he uses for that, and, and actually the way of worship in the Lord's true churches. So I want to refresh our memory just a little bit on what we've uh, what we've looked at and what we studied. Uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, and uh, it means a called-out assembly. And certainly the church would be a called-out assembly. And this ekklesia, this church, was formed after the chief cornerstone was in place. It couldn't, Chuck, when you start, well, and Buddy as well, uh, when you're building a building, you don't start putting the roof on or windows in. You start with the foundation, whatever it be, whether it be a cement pad like Buddy's working at now, fastening to that foundation, or whether it be a building like this, where you pour a footer and then foundation on, on top of that. So uh, the Lord's church was built after the foundation, after the chief cornerstone was in place and not before. Um uh, it was before Pentecost. Some people believe that the church was formed at Pentecost. There were many added to the church at Pentecost. So the church was already here. Uh, and we also saw and, and recognized that the church is taught, even where the word church is not used, uh, talk about the, the body of Christ or his kingdom or, or many things like that. So uh, the word church doesn't have to be there to see a teaching about the church. And uh, last week, as we studying the, the vine and the branches, we saw the importance of abiding in the Lord's church. Uh, it wasn't for salvation, but it did have to do with, with fruit bearing. So we saw that. Also, last week, we saw the Lord said, I am the true vine, which tells us a lot. It tells us that there's other vines out there that's not the true vine. Now, you've, the, the vine, we're talking about the grapevine, which they use to make uh, uh, wine and so forth. So there's a fruit from that vine, grapes that made wine, but there's also a fruit from that earthly vine. And when you study wine in the scriptures, you'll see some places good to drink wine, some places it's not. It's not, the scripture's not inconsistent. There's a wine from the true vine, the heavenly vine, and there's a wine from the earthly vine, uh, which is not the wine that we are not to drink and become intoxicated with. 
uh, last week we read where it says, except the branch abide up in the vine, it can do nothing. Not my words. And also the Lord said, uh, we talked about through this uh, be much fruit bearing, talking about the vine and him purging and so forth, said there be much fruit bearing. And the Lord said, in this is my Father glorified. So to glorify the Father, must, one must be part of this true vine, because the Lord said, in this. So what about our fruit today? What, what is our fruit today? Well, Hebrew 13, 15, it says, By him, therefore, let us offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That's our fruit today. Fruit of our lips. We don't offer uh, literal blood sacrifices. Fruit of our lips. And I love the way Jose says it, the calves of our lips. Because they offered calves for sacrifice. But uh, the calves of our lips, the fruit of our lips... Giving thanks and praise to his name. Is it acceptable if we give praise to our name or some man's name or some uh, mankind's name? And, and, and buddy, you're absolutely right. That's not an acceptable sacrifice. When they get, and you hear them all the time, praising man for what he's doing or what he must do and so forth and so on. And leaving the Lord out of that praise, that's the earthly vine and it's not praise, it's not acceptable sacrifice to him. So we've kind of come up with two different sets of facts, not two facts, but two different sets of facts. Uh, the fruit is produced in the church, in the vine, as we read last week. Sacrifice, the, true, the acceptable sacrifice is offered in the Lord's true churches. And God is glorified in the Lord's true churches or in the vine. And to him be glory in the church is what it says in Ephesians 3.21. And Ephesians 3.10 says, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So the church has great value and uh, if it didn't, why did the Lord shed his blood for his church as scripture tells us? So these were facts uh, but to really understand these facts, we look at the comforter, and so we have these, these facts, but we look at the comforter, and that shows us how these facts fit, shows why these facts are important. So I want to look at the comforter again. I know we look at the comforter a lot. Uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, let me just state this again too. The Holy Spirit has different offices. Jesus Christ had different offices. He was, uh, uh, he was our high priest. He was the first comforter. He was the sacrifice that was offered to God. He was the Lamb of God. So Jesus had a lot of different offices. So, so did the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... Uh, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life giver. Uh, but we want to look at the Holy Spirit as the abiding comforter. As I've said it before, as we will see the value 
of the Comforter, where it's at, and being under the leadership of the Comforter. And buddy, you remind us of that again this morning. But uh, we want to see the value of the Comforter. Now, as we look at that, I don't want to forget, the Holy Spirit works outside the Lord's church. Otherwise, his sheep would never have the desire to be inside the Lord's church. So I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't work outside the church. Certainly he does. But we're looking at the fruit bearing. And according to what we studied, the fruit bearing comes through the vine and the branches bear that fruit. So let's go to John chapter 14. And I know we studied the comforter a lot. We studied the book of John, what, a year or so ago. And, and uh, certainly this was, was part of it. On this, and on these uh, 14, 15th, and 16th chapters of the Gospel of John, this is a time, a very intimate time with the Lord and his disciples. You know, other times, you know, they were bringing people in that were sick, and they were trying to capture him, do all these things, and catch him in, and, and make what he said not true, and so forth. But here, just a time set aside with just him and his disciples, and he had it recorded for you and I as well. So let's look at this comforter that is uh, so valuable. Uh, John 14 and verse 16. And see the value of the comforter, comforter, but see where we are with no comforter. Leadership. John 14 and 16. And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So our Lord was the first comforter. He, uh, that was another one of his offices. <laughs> he, was, he was our Savior. He's the high priest. He's the uh, shepherd. But he was also the first comforter. And he would take his disciples and explain to them the, the words, uh, his words, the words of the Father. But it says something else. Uh, I'll give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. So what he's going to, Jesus was here on earth for a short time. He's eternal, but on earth he was here for a short time. But now he's going to send another comforter that it may abide. And that's why I like to say the abiding comforter. The Holy Spirit has other offices. But when we say the comforter, that's the abiding Holy Spirit, the comforter. Uh, and it says he will abide with you forever. He'll never take it away from his true churches. And let me, I'll read 16 and 17 together now. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. So there's another name for this comforter, this Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit, the abiding comforter, it says, even the spirit of truth. And think about that for a minute. The spirit of truth. Where else would truth come from? So, if this doesn't put a value on it, I don't know what would. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So this spirit of truth, this comforter, this Holy Spirit is not for everyone. If you don't think that's right, I can 
talk of the fool, take it up with the Lord, but uh, maybe I shouldn't talk like that. But nevertheless, this was the Lord's wisdom that it wasn't for everyone. And uh, let me, I'll get sidetracked here for a moment. I understand with our, the earthly, fleshly part of us, how we might say, as the world does, well, it wouldn't be fair to give it to some and not give it to others. I understand how we could, could look at judgment that way. Well, it's not fair that he give it to some and not give it to others. That's not fair. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us. Thank you, Lord, that you have given it to me. This spirit of truth. So we could, you can be judgmental and, and enter into to judgment against God, saying, well, you shouldn't have done it that way. It should have been to everybody. Or you can say, thank you, Lord. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. He's talking to his disciples. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That's very important as well. He dwells in you as a body of Christ and with you as a member of that body. As I've said before, well, there's a church one time and they said, uh, the only time you're led by the, the spirit of truth, the comforter, is when the whole body is assembled and everybody has to be there. If one body is not there, then the whole body's not there and you're not led by the comforter. It's good for church attendance, I suppose, but it's not true. And I said, well, I've got a problem with that. I said, if the only time we're led by the comforters when we're assembled and every member of the body is there, whenever I'm home studying, preparing a lesson, if I'm not led to the Spirit, the only thing left is the energy of the flesh. And he said, well, we've got this measure of faith, which turns around giving man on glory, actually. But anyway, uh, what they said was, was not true. He'll be in you as a body of Christ and with you as a member of that body. When you leave this, we're assembled here this morning, thank the, uh, the Lord. When you leave, he's still with you. You're still part of this body. So in us as a body, with you as a member of that body. Uh, and then 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. And verse 26, again, still talking about his comfort, the Holy, the office, the abiding Holy Spirit, the office, an office of the, of the Holy Spirit. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, so we've seen the name Holy Spirit, we've seen the name Comforter, we've seen the name Spirit of Truth, all this is an office of the Holy Spirit. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. What do we have if we don't have this comforter to teach us all things? What else is there? I found nothing else. So this is why I see the value uh, in this. And let me just go ahead and tell a personal story again. Brother Alston would give an invitation for membership into the body. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I want to, but I need to know more first. I need to know more. And he'd give the invitation, and the same thing. I wanted to, but I thought, I need to know more. I need to, and I don't know how many months that went on. I need to know more first. And then 
the Lord opened the scripture to me, something like this, that uh, this comforter will teach you all things. And I saw the comforters in the body of Christ or the church. I thought, that's what I'm wanting. So that was what the Lord used to, uh, uh, to cause me or convict, convince me to, to come in to be part of the body of Christ. This is where this comforter was. That's what I was wanting. No doubt I was being led by the Holy Spirit before because I had the desire and, and, and saw truth and everything. And let me just give another side note. I'm getting distracted. So the Holy Spirit leads us before as far as uh, causing us to see, giving us the desire and everything. And then the Lord, when he places his sheep in the body, then led as the comforter. And then we grow through the years and everything. Does something come to mind? I don't usually talk about personal experiences. But Linda, the Sunday that you and Eddie were baptized, and we'll talk about the method entering into the church. And I said, sometimes, you know, it, we, we continue to grow through the years and everything. So my brother's baptized on, on Sunday, and I'm a pretty early riser, so about 2 or 2.30 Monday morning, he called me and uh, just wanted to talk. And he says, it all makes sense now. It just, it all makes sense. <coughs> and he said, you know, he said, can you talk? He said, it's not bad. It's all good. <coughs> so I got ready. And of course, I normally would go in to get ready to work at that time. So we went in, we talked. But he said, it just, now it all makes sense. So sometimes we go through years, and sometimes we have some things uh, pretty quickly. And like I said, normally I don't tell personal experiences like that, but I thought I would. So where are we at? 26. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. I find nothing else to teach. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said unto you. So is, is not this comforter, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, can't you see the value in it? If one is left out of this, what is there to teach all things? What is it to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever the Lord said? What else is there? And I find nothing else. And look at verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not to the world? And that's a, a very good question. How is the Lord... While he's here, and when he and when he goes away, while he was here, you could you could see a little bit. Well, how do he how did he manifest himself to the disciples and not to the world? He taught in parables, and they did, they said, Lord, why you teach in parables? He said, Well, blessed are your eyes and ears because you see, and theirs they cannot. They're blind; they cannot see. 
So that's how, when he was here, he taught them and not the world. He taught in parables. So now that he's, he's going and he sent the other comforter back, Judas says, how are you going to uh, teach us and, and, and not the world? This comforter, this Holy Spirit, this spirit of truth. Those that have it, he'll lead, guide, and direct. Those that he doesn't give it to, will not. And that's how. That's why we see large congregations, television ministries reaching millions of people, but they don't have the truth. And they spend, no doubt, more time studying than what I do, and what, probably what you do as well. But they don't have the Holy Spirit to lead them in the truth. They can't see. Uh, John uh, 15, and but this, you, I talk about the comfort of love. I am so thankful for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I see a value in it. So John 15 and 26, first part of that chapter was talking about the, the vine and the branches. But in verse uh, 26, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who, who uh, proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Do you see anything else in the Scriptures that will testify of Jesus Christ? You say, well, you know... Uh, uh, we all testify of Jesus Christ. Well, that's, that's not what it means. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But you'll see nothing else in the Scriptures that testifies of Jesus Christ. So not under the leadership of this comfort of this Holy Spirit, then we see what the results of that uh, would be. Uh, and the 16th chapter, in verse 7. And again, this is a quiet time when the Lord called his disciples aside, didn't have all the interruptions of the world. They weren't bringing people in to be healed and so forth. The Pharisees weren't asking because he said, I'll raise this building in three days. And uh, just a quiet time with his disciples, quiet time before he's going to be taken and crucified and so forth. So in verse 7, he tells them, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So again, this, and I don't know how, what period of time he was talking with them here. But he spent so much of his time telling them, I'm going away. But I won't leave you comfortless, church. I'll pray to the Father. He'll send you another Comforter. Lead, guide, and direct into all truths. And let's read that in verse 13. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So can you see the value, the importance of this Holy Spirit as the abiding comforter. We talked about last week a little bit, you know, in, in the 
first time that I heard the term used, smart weapons, during the first Gulf War. Well, we call it that, but there's been Gulf Wars <laughs> forever. But anyway, uh, but we have these smart weapons that they've got this guidance system. But without that guidance system, what happens? <laughs> this brings back a, a memory. Uh, and this is crazy me bringing it up, but I will anyway. It's such a vivid memory of my childhood. Everybody kind of knows what a bottle rocket is. And you put it in a bottle and got that long straw and you light it and phew, it just goes. Well, that, believe it or not, that long straw I learned as a child, that's part of the guidance system. Because I saw a person, and Linda, you would know him too, but while he was lighting that fuse, he burnt that straw in two. And all of a sudden that, and of course those bottle rockets bang at the end, and that was chasing him, bouncing off his back. It just wasn't going straight like it's supposed to. The guidance system was not there, and it didn't go how it was supposed to. So our smart bombs and smart weapons, there's the guidance system. Without it, well, they, they, without it, they miss the target. Without the comfort, the abiding comfort of the spirit of truth, the world that can't receive it misses the target. Buddy, you know as well as I do, Jesus Christ is the target. He's the way. But without the guidance system, they go over here and tell you the way is you praying through or you making a decision or you turning over a new leaf. No guidance system. What are they doing? Glorifying man, which tells you they're not led by the Holy Spirit. So I've gotten off my lesson a few times. Uh, so now we've got these two sets of facts. Facts about the church. Facts about the comforter. And by combining those two facts, we have a pretty good picture then of, of what the church is and why it is. Uh, so I brought a couple things here this morning. So we'll look at the, I'll use this glass as representation maybe of, uh, of a church or of a container for illustration. So this glass will represent the church, the body of Christ, or even as we studied last week, the vine. And he's the, uh, he's the vine, we are the branches, and the comforter flows through that, of course. So we'll kind of use this uh, as the true vine, the body of Christ, which is the church. Now, what we studied last week, and even this week, inside this container is where the fruit is produced. Inside this is where the acceptable sacrifices are offered up. Sacrifice of praise, fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Ephesians 3.21, unto him be glory in the church. Ephesians 3.10, in the church is where the manifold wisdom of God is known. These are scriptures, these aren't my opinions. So, then, so that's a set of facts about the church. And then some facts about the comforter. Is what we looked at is the comforter has power. And so we, we can look at the comforter in different ways. Look at it as power. If we look at it as power, I think it makes it a little easier to, to understand. 
So, uh, so we have a, a, a church, but this is, this is empty. So then we'll take this and we'll pour power into it. Jesus Christ prayed to the Father that he would send power, that he would send another comforter, that he would send the spirit of truth. Everyone can't receive this power. We read that. The world can't receive it. Uh, it was intended for everybody. Now, as I poured that, I was very careful. None spliced out. It's all in that container. We read, this power shall be in you and with you. We read where this power will teach you all things. We read where this power will testify of Jesus Christ. This power will be sent by the Father after Jesus Christ is crucified and ascended. This power will guide you into all truth, as we read. That's the guidance system. So you take all those things away, and you see what you have. Uh, so this power would represent, uh, uh, this water would kind of represent the power in our, uh, as we look at it. <clears throat> the, comforter in, the comforter is the power inside the Lord's church. So if we see that, if we see this power that leads God and directs into all truth, as we see it in the body of Christ, we can see the value then of the comforter and, and the body of Christ. It's the only place the fruit is produced. Last week, studying about the vine. Without him, you can do nothing. You say, well, you can give him a little bit of praise. Well, the scripture says nothing. Uh, God's glorified in the church. The manifold wisdom of God in the church. <clears throat> it's the power. That's the guidance system. So let me pour this back in there for a moment. <clears throat> Illustrations are okay if they're true. So is the comforter in the church? Like I said, illustrations are, are, are fine if they're true. I gave an illustration, but is it true? Acts chapter 1. Let's go to the book of Acts for a little bit. Acts chapter 1. And uh, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Now we read that in John 14, 15, 16. That's the promise of the Father that he was going to send them. So here, the Lord, he says... 
Uh, of course, he was crucified and resurrected. He said, but now I, I, I want you to wait for the promise. That promise was the comforter that we read about. And he said, uh, uh, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. So he was assembled together with them. <clears throat> he said, I'm going to send you the promise. And then look in verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. Going to be witnesses. When? After this power comes. After the comforter comes. After the spirit of truth has come. Going to receive power. So, <clears throat> and be witnesses after this. So, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But in order to be a witness of this truth, must have this guidance system, must have this power. And in the second chapter of Acts, we'll look a little more about this power being placed in this in his church, in the body of Christ, in the basin. Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there were, they were all with one accord in one place, just like the Lord told them to be. Waiting for the promise of the power, the anointing, all in one place. They were assembled together. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rusty mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. It filled the house. So here I'm going to use an illustration again. So we have this glass that's representing the church, the body of Christ, and it says on the day of Pentecost, this sound of mighty rushing wind came, and it filled so this is the power. This is the spirit of truth. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Another point. It didn't splash out and fill other houses. That's where it was contained. That's the only time you'll see this. Now you'll see... Uh, Cornelius and so forth, but you don't hear that sound of mighty, mighty rushing wind. So this, I'll get ahead of myself, but so this was passed from church to church as they were organized. There was, another, there was never another sound of mighty rushing wind coming and filling another body. It came, it was poured once, and it came from bodies out of that. Uh, so it filled the house, none splashed out. So now let's see more of the effects of it. In verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So you'll see this of Cornelius and his family. This was a result of receiving it, but it was received from authority from another church. It wasn't another giving of the comforter. Uh, so three, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. This is on that day of Pentecost as they were receiving this power. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And these other tongues are not gibberish like some organizations do. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying uh, one, uh, one to another, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Well, that's a good question. How? The Comforter. And, and so what we see here, and I'm going to run out of time, what we see here is what was reversed. You remember the Tower of Babel? They were building this tower. Man always wants to be uh, as God. They were building this tower and everything. So the Lord confused their language. Now, before, they were very fruitful in this work, building this tower. The Lord confused their language. No more fruit after that. So here, as this, so he confused the language, and it was scattered throughout. This is the only time we see that reversed. The language was confused, but here it's unconfused. They all heard in their own tongue, and this was miraculous. It was a miracle, but this is a result of the comforter coming, this power, and filling the church where it was. Now, let's go back to John chapter 13 real quick. Uh, John chapter 13, we see, so what we read was the the, uh, the Lord sending the comforter into his body of Christ. We see it actually happening. We're going to see back here in the 13th chapter, which was still a time the Lord had with his disciples. And we're going to see something took place here that was teaching them the exact same thing. This is the parable of the foot washing. And it's teaching what we just read about the comforter being placed in the church. So let's look at this. John 13 and verse, uh, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world, out of this world, unto the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, and the devil now uh, put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Now, start in verse 4. He riseth from supper. And laid aside his garments. And took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured, wa poured water into a basin. And began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, Thou hast no part with me. And then Peter says, yeah, just wash me all over, over them. So, 
So here we have this. And let me ask you a question as, as we've read this. If we look at this with earthly wisdom, earthly understanding, fleshly, uh, look at this in, in this sense, what do we have? I'll tell you what we have. I saw on television one time, and some of you people may have witnessed it other ways, but on television, this guy was, this well, he called himself a preacher, I guess, was going to be teach, he was teaching on this, and he read the same scriptures I read to you. So he got this big silver bowl and put it down here. And I happened to pick a man that was a minority. He began to wash his feet. Do you think this man washed his feet before he came? Do you think his feet was dirty? He didn't use any soap. And he began to go through the motions with the cloth and the water in his basin and, and wash his feet thinking that this is pleasing unto God in this manner. That's what you have when you look at it with earthly wisdom. Well, what do you... What do you miss? So we have here supper being ended. After, anyway, the Lord was taken and says he rises from supper... Laid aside his earthly garments. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Laid aside the earthly garments that he had. Not physical, but laid aside that earthly body. And he rises from supper. Said after that, after he rose from supper, he poured water into a basin. That's a picture of what we were talking about. After the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified and he rose as he said, I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comfort. Poured water into a basin. The basin was what? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Now you understand, this is days when they had the, they didn't have the nice shoes and socks like we had. They had sandals of anything, and their feet was no doubt dirty with earthly stuff. But Peter said, no, not, not you washing my feet. And Jesus answered said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So he said, Peter, here I'm washing your feet, but you don't know what I'm doing now. Now, if he was literally... And no doubt he literally did wash their feet. But he said, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing. Um, and he had that towel. He washed his feet. And no doubt that water became dirty because they had the earthly dirt on there where they walked. He said, Peter, what I'm doing now, you don't know. If he would just physically clean his feet, Peter would have known. But he said, what I do now, I said, you don't know. But you will know hereafter. When's the hereafter that Peter would know? On the day of Pentecost when it came. And then the, because this, this comforter was going to come and bring all things to remembrance, whatever he had said to them. So on the day of Pentecost, I have no doubt Peter said, oh, now I know. I know. When he was washing my feet, now I know. Now I understand. He brought all things to their remembrance. But... Uh, 
with earthly wisdom, people look at this and say, well, it, it shows servantship and it shows being humble and stuff like that. If we're, you know, to, to humble ourselves, to wash somebody's feet and everything, uh, it, it shows us being humble. So then what that teaching is teaching, this foot washing thing benefits the ones doing the foot washing. That's what their teaching says. So they'll get down on their knees and they humble themselves and they'll wash somebody's feet literally. But their teaching is that's the benefit of the one humbling herself and doing the washing. That's what their teaching teaches. But in this, who is going to profit from this? He told Peter, if I don't wash you, you had no part with me. Peter was going to be the one that was being washed is the one that would profit from this. So the comforter placed in the Lord's church by the Lord, and it was poured from above as the sound of mighty rushing wind. Buddy, this didn't make a whole lot of noise that I poured in here, but it did on the day of Pentecost as the sound of mighty rushing wind. It filled that house to lead, guide, and direct into all truth. So who benefits? Who, who benefits from this comforter that was poured in there? Who benefits? We do, as, the, as the, the truth of the word washes our walk from this filthy earthly doctrine that's out there. So we are benefited. So we take this comforter and we wash one another's feet. Wash one another's walk. Wash the earthly doctrines away. See, we're out of time, but uh, Jeremiah talks about uh, hewing out cisterns, broken cisterns that won't hold water. We see a lot of those cisterns on television, steeples on the roofs, but they're not holding the comforter. They're not led and guided and, and directed. Uh, I want to talk about the unction and so forth. I don't have time to do that, I guess. But he tells them in First John, says, you have an unction to furnish what's needed. What do the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, the places in his body, in the body of Christ, what do they need? They need leadership. To lead, guide, and direct into all truth. That's what we need. Uh, so this comforter, the anointing, furnishes the church with, with, with what it needs. This comforter is inside the vine guiding those elect sheep in the truth. And as they learn the truth, they bear this fruit, giving thanks and honor and glory to his name. That's the fruit. That we don't manufacture. We don't produce it. Produce that we only bear the fruit as we give honor and glory to his name. And again, what is our fruit? By him, therefore, let us offer continually sacrifice of praise, fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the fruit that we bear. Now, we have a lot of broken cisterns. They offer up a lot of other stuff. We pray for them because we don't know when the Lord will bring them out. And if he does and he brings them out with us, then we take this comforter and we wash one of those walk with it. 
May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.